something else shows up you know that's how life works you know if you're true to what you do and especially after covid i realized you know i i as i said the covid story is a long story you know i literally thought that's the end of my whole journey you know the photography end of it let's go back to work because i'm done but that's when something happens you know a number of things have happened in covid unexpected jobs some unexpected awards i don't even participate in photography competitions but during that time there was no option i had to uh, participate so that i can earn some money out of it and sustain myself till the covid goes away so i won awards i got unexpected jobs from really big big corporate companies which kept me afloat and then came nft and it completely changed the game so whenever you feel that's it that's the end of it just know that it's just a passing phase and it'll be okay so yeah follow your passion everything's going to be okay Hey Wiki Hunters, welcome back to the Art of Photography podcast where we share artist journey and how they find hope, purpose and happiness through photography. And today we have somebody who's very, you know, very iconic in the NFT world and he is someone who have such an incredible work both in in all kind of genre and I am so honored to have him here because you know he runs a lot of twitter spaces and for those of you who are not in twitter it's basically a place for us to voice hang out around each other and he got one of the craziest story so this is one of the reason why i want him here to share some of this story in um you know not only to intrigue you but also in hope that you can draw inspiration from where he had gone through so Let's welcome Subodh Shetty. Um Subodh, how are you doing? Welcome to um the Art of Photography podcast. Hi Stanley, uh, and hi to everyone listening. So nice to be here. Uh it's always interesting to, you know, uh, get a chance to share your story because that's what we do. You know, we are storytellers and there can never, never be enough that we can speak about our journey as well as our art. So it's good to be here. Yeah no like uh absolutely and um I think you're really good with storytelling is something that you know every time I hear you talk I always try to learn and pick up the way you tell a story it's just so so intriguing it really um keep you on the edge so I really enjoy that um so I, no doubt I'm, this podcast I'm glad is going to be that. Good. I'm uh-huh. glad you said that because I always keep wondering if I make people bored in my spaces with my stories you know because sometimes i go all over the place because i am a guy <laughs> who's very curious and i am not a guy who just sticks to photography i go yeah. everywhere you know i am into cosmic stuff you know neil degrasse tyson carl sagan and all that i am towards the other side i watch a lot of podcast including all this joe rogan stuff so yeah i go everywhere so i bring everything uh, to the table wherever i can connect the dots i'm like oh yeah that makes sense this makes sense So sometimes I wonder if my storytelling is all random but I'm glad it uh, makes sense. Well, it's uh it's interesting, right? Because um a lot of people have different kind of take to it, but I'm I'm very similar to you. I love hearing like I get curious very easily and I love to explore. So when you sh- you know tell a different thing about a totally different thing about uh, uh, the initial story that we were talking about i actually get really intrigued about it so i don't know if it's just me but i'm sure you know a lot of people are on your space so i'm sure they really enjoy it but um you know you you made um a lot of success in the nft world and i can say that you're one of the 
um, person who helped shape the NFT world, right? Um, now, before we kind of get into that, um, and you know, like your amazing photography, not only in wildlife and other genre, just tell us a little bit about who is Saboth, um, you know, and how did you get started with photography? Sure. No, I'm. Uh, I come from a, a corner in India, which is South India. There's a small little town called Manipal. So that's where I come from. Uh, Manipal is known for its educational universities and everything. It's spread across the world, including the place I am right now in Dubai. So even in Dubai, we got a Manipal University, which comes from my back door. So yeah, it's a very famous place for education. Uh, that's where I come from. And as far as uh, you know, my photography goes, I came to Dubai in 2009 uh, in search of a job. Uh, at that point, I had no photography in my life. So I came to look for a job because just to, uh, you know, uh, find something which is uh, worthwhile. I came to Dubai and I had a pharmaceutical degree. So I got into this pharma field and I used to do the pharma business. And yeah, eventually Dubai is such a beautiful country, uh, I mean, city uh, with a lot of wonderful cityscapes and Burj Khalifa and whatnot. It's very well organized and very much uh, ready for photographers to explore. So in between all that, you know, there was Facebook, uh, which is quite new at that time. And in Facebook, I would see that photographers from Dubai are posting pictures of Dubai in a very beautiful way. And yeah, we all know, you know, photography versus our eye, there's a difference uh, because in photography, there's editing, there's blue hour, there's golden hour, which is not that vibrant in our normal eyes. You know, we just see it in real way. So that photos really got me. I'm like, wow, man, these people are creating some stunners. And I think I should be creating the same because they're all next to me, you know, this all wonderful structures. And that's how I began photography. I got a camera and it was just a Nikon 3100, which is the most basic camera you can buy because I was not so sure because there have been phases in my life where I got a guitar, for instance, before photography, I got a guitar. I'm like, okay, I'm going to learn music. And I failed miserably. And I realized I should be more careful because that guitar was very expensive one. And then it's of no use because I can't play the guitar. So I'm like, I'm not going to do the same mistake with my photography. So I got a very, very cheap camera uh, with the kit lens and explored the streets of Dubai, shooting all the cityscapes and everything. And then I realized, okay, there's something in this photography which clicks for me. You know, I have some kind of an eye for it because I would always, uh, even in my real life, you know, whatever I do, even right now, as I speak to you, there is keyboard in front of me, there's mouse in front of me, there's the airport in front of me. Even when they're on the table, I like to keep it organized. I don't want it to be scattered all over the place. That compositional thing is always in me, keeping things in order. So that's exactly what I did with photography. You know, I was trying to create a order in those chaos. And I realized there is something called composition, which comes to me naturally. And I took it, uh, took advantage of it. And we may hate Facebook today, uh, but Facebook is where I got all the encouragement during my beginning days. There used to be a lot of photography groups and I would take my you know, beginner style images and post on the group and they would give me feedbacks. And I learned a lot through that process. And I realized that, you know, it's a bunch of people who are creating all these things for nothing but happiness, you know, just for the sake of feeling good. And I realized this is a nice place to be. And that's how it all began. Eventually, yeah, uh, once you, in every picture I took during those days, in the beginning days, would be a, a 3100. Then I got a wide angle lens. I would pop up a ND filter on it, ND1000, which is like crazy high amount of ND. 
I wanted everything to be a five minute exposure. Nothing less would do. So that was my initial phase. And then I eventually started getting bored of it. I'm like, is that the end of my photography? I'm not connecting to it anymore. So then one of my friends pulled me into street photography. I said, no, I'm not into streets. I don't want to do streets because Dubai has two sides. One is the Burj Khalifa and the Blinks. Other side is the old Dubai with real people doing real things on the streets. He pulled me in. He said, come over, just try streets once. Maybe you'll like it. And I tried it. And that was the life-changing moment, I would say, in photography, because I completely quit the cityscapes and got into street photography, meeting people, talking to them, having some tea with them, taking their portraits. You know, everything is a chaos. And in between that, you're finding some gems. That really clicked for me. And that's how my photography began. And then eventually you start meeting the right people, connecting with a small bunch of, you create your own small little group, and then you start going out more and more. It becomes something that you look forward to. You know, you pretend to work for five days during the week, just looking forward to that two days of weekend when you can go out and shoot again. That gives the boost, which is uh, incredible. I, I'm sure any, every photographer will understand. Yeah, no, I totally. It's it's like a getaway for us, right? It's a way to um, be free and be ourselves and be um, be able to express ourselves. Now, that's that's really interesting. Um, I I don't think I've heard that side of um, you know, of the long exposure part. So you are really intrigued with the really extra long exposure, creating that really smooth um scene, and then you turn into street photography, and that kind of spark your your idea. I mean, your your love for photography. Now, what are you know, like I, I guess when you say um, you you tried guitar before and i'm sure as yeah. someone who loves to explore everything right i'm sure there's a lot of things that you like to try in the past so what make you stay in photography like what what is different compared to guitar and other thing that you have pursued and try and you know want to be good at yeah i mean one there are a couple of things you know if i have to again go back to those days when i got into streets what made me connect to the streets is the stories that comes along, you know, because you don't just meet a person, you meet a building, you, I mean, not meet, you see a building, take a picture, that's about it. There's no conversation. It looks great. It gets a lot of whatever, uh, shares and everything, but still you're not communicating anything really interesting there. But in case of people, uh, every time I point a camera, you know, even before you point a camera to a person, there will be a small conversation. Can I take a picture of you, this and that, and then there'll be some jokes and people usually get nervous and all those little things which you navigate as you get to the point where you take a picture that's very very interesting for me because i get to learn a lot and i come from india and in dubai it's a mix of india and pakistan and all kinds of nationalities egyptians and whatnot you know everyone uh, there are 170 nationalities in uae so you, you have a chance to communicate with so many people and sometimes you you even make a picture without even knowing the language you know if it's a india or pakistan i can talk in my language, Hindi, and they'll get to know what I'm trying to say. But there are some certain times when you meet a Chinese, they don't talk a word of English. How do you communicate? I still want his picture. That navigation, you know, makes it a lot of fun. You know, you just realize that humans are humans. You know, it's uh, it's so much of fun. You know, you explore the psychology and uh, how it all works. And at the end of it, you know, you bring a smile on their face. You have a smile on your face by the end of it. And even... Uh, Eventually, as that thing progressed, and I realized that I love people, I love to shoot people, but they're still in my mind. Maybe this is another phase. You know, I liked long exposure of city, then I shifted to streets, 
maybe there's something else I need to do. Maybe I've still not found that real side of my photography. And that's how I realized that I should travel. And I traveled to the Himalayas. My very first trip was to the Himalayas and in India. And when I went to the Himalayas, it's my first time seeing all the snow peaks and everything. I took all my wide angles and ND filters and everything because I thought maybe this is the real face of my photography where I'll put an ND, take the picture of this Himalayan peaks and I'll be so connected. But then I realized went to Himalaya, I was interacting with people more. I was enjoying meeting those locals more than the mountains. I enjoy seeing the mountains. I love that uh, lack of oxygen. It makes me feel more alive, weirdly. But what really connected to me was the locals, you know, the people on the land. So again, I realized people are my strength. You know, I need to do this more and more and more. And it gave me wings, you know, because throughout my life, I don't know how it works in your country, but in India, we are always busy with study, study, study till one point and you get your degree and then you go out and start working. There's no real exploration happening there. You know, nowadays it's changing, but before, during our times, I feel I'm not that old to say during our times, that's the 1990s. There are still uh, no such concept as to, as you get your education, you're also traveling and exploring. None of those things. You just study, 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 and you get your degree, you are into job and then you just live that normal life. But here, it gave me a chance to explore the world for the first time. And all because of this one little thing in my hand, which is camera, which gave me all the excuse. And I began traveling like a, it was literally a viral uh, infection. You know, once I took the flight and went to Himalayas, I'm like, where next? You know, and I still had a job, full-time job. And I would still make sure that I find excuses, take some leaves off that job and get out and make these uh, travels happen. I went to many, many places in India, Sri Lanka, Nepal. One after the other, I started taking off uh, places from my uh, from my bucket list. So yeah, this connect, connecting with people and the excuse to travel to a new place, meet new people and understand their culture, you know, it completely changes your perspective uh, towards the world. I think that's what uh, keeps me going. It kept me going to an extent where uh, in 2017, you know, 2010 is when I took photography, 2017, seven years of managing photography and my corporate job came to a you know, stand still, you know, it's like either choose this or choose that. You can't do both now, you know, it because it you won't justify either of them. So that's when I gave up on uh, uh, my full-time job. And I, in 2017, I became a full-time photographer. I uh, put up my own company in Dubai, which is quite expensive to do and quite a risk to take. And yeah, since then, I've been doing photography workshops, which again is an important factor, which keeps my photography going because I know that whatever I create, it's one thing to just put it on social media, this and that, getting the likes and follows and whatever. But also at the same time, you're creating a bigger impact, which is uh, inspiring others to take up the same passion because a lot of people have cameras. It's not a big deal. Everyone has a camera now, but making them step out of their comfort zone, making them travel with me so that I can show them what I see, how I feel, why it's so important to capture these people. That is a catalyst which keeps me going. and. That's why I do photography workshops uh, full time. That's my full time job now. So I have such kind of uh, you know motivation. There's nothing that can stop it. Yeah. Wow. That's that's inspiring. And um, you know, like um, I totally can resonate with that. Um, you know, having to um being told that the only way to succeed in life is to go to school, get a good grade, and then you go to good university and get good grade, get good job. Um, get married buy a house and you die right and uh, honestly like I didn't know any other way of life until like when I was 
30. And that's when I left my career as mechanical engineer. And, you know, I didn't even know what I was doing, but I, 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 I know that it's, it's not what I wanted to do. And I know that I love photography. So I totally can resonate with um, what you meant, you know, especially, and like, when you look at the, the Western culture, it's a little bit different, right? they're encouraged to explore and take a, a yeah. gap year before before the the before they full-time work and stuff like that so they can actually figure out what they want to do in life whether they like that lifestyle or whether they like the nine to five which nothing to nothing wrong with it at all but i think the worst thing is when you do something that is not you right and just yeah. have that that um conflict within yourself but I really love what you shared there and one thing that I really admire with you is the storytelling right I I, I said this earlier now you you not only you do storytelling through words but also through your photography now I want to get into a little bit more of that so when you go out there right whether it's on the street whether it's the building whether it's the wildlife or the landscape and travels how do you translate what you see and how do you translate that into a frame that tells a story? Yeah, that's a very interesting question because storytelling is always debated in photography. Even now in Twitter spaces, there's always every second day there, someone comes up and says, your photo should do the talking, artist should not add descriptions. I'm like, nope, you have to add your descriptions because... You know, because we are storytellers. What's what's this? You know, what what's the point? You know, without any story, just a beautiful image is common. You know, it's everywhere. Uh, what makes a picture special is the story which comes behind it, because it's the artist emotion that comes along with it. So, one, I think one of the common mistakes that people do, uh, even I did before, and I learned from that through experience, is when you're telling, trying to tell a story, don't just tell the story of what's in front of you. You know, if I'm taking a picture of a for instance, you know, just to give a quick example, one of my NFT was a wildlife image of a lioness uh, with her cubs. You know, it's a single frame with one lioness and three cubs next to her. My story could have been, here is a lioness in Masai Mara in Kenya, sitting on a, a termite hill and watching the sunrise or whatever. That would be straightforward because anyone who sees the picture, that story is there, you know, they, will, they can read it. It's common knowledge. So you don't have to tell something which is already there. Tell something beyond that, you know, tell, what you feel about it, uh, take it around, you know, in a different manner. Uh, for instance, in that picture, my story was about Lion King. You know, I connected the movie Lion King, uh, which we all know, the Disney movie. In that movie, Lion is the king and Lioness is completely ignored uh, because it's a lioness. It's all about the king, what he does and blah, 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 fighting with his brother. Or I don't know the story exactly, but it's all about the lion as the hero. But in real life, when you see wildlife photography, when you see these lions in real, it's never about the lion king. You know, it's always about the queen because she's the one who hunts, who brings food for the whole family. She's the one who protects the kids. She's also the one who manages to keep lion in check. The king is kept in check by the lioness because they can misbehave sometimes. So it's all run by the uh, queen and no one talks about it. So here I had a chance to tell that story that if Disney had some, in uh, you know, like knowledge of, how the animal world works, uh, they would make this lioness the real king of that movie and not the lion as it as a whole. So that's the kind of narrative. You know, it doesn't have to be always straightforward. Here is this thing and that's about it. Take it in another direction. Tell what you feel about it. You know, uh, as I'm shooting, I'm always thinking, you know, my mind is such, I told you, I'm a very, very curious guy and I always 
thinking in different different ways even when i look at a lion or a cheetah or a leopard when i'm shooting them i'm thinking of their mind you know like what they should be thinking right now you know uh, i'm never looking at a straightforward picture i'm always looking in different different ways for instance a fly comes and sits on the face of a leopard i keep imagining i keep looking at its eyes what's its reaction to the fly as it walks around its face what is it thinking right now you know that's the kind of thing i'm building in my head and if i put that picture out tomorrow i'll maybe talk about the fly and the leopard together rather than tell the leopard sitting in a bush you know that's very boring so i always take it in different different directions a whole uh, you know image description of a leopard where i didn't talk of the leopard i just wrote about its tail because the tail of a leopard is always it has its own language it's always moving with its thoughts and you can always see when it's more curious it moves in one way when it's very bored it moves in another way so i wrote a story just about the tail of the leopard i didn't even talk about the leopard itself so those are the things you know storytelling is very important it's your narrative and uh, your job as a photographer is to tell the story otherwise how will you be remembered not by your uh, 10000 likes not by your 1 million followers you will be remembered by your stories Yeah wow that's um that's pr- very profound and um it's it's really good to share that and i think it's uh, it's a new perspective as well to to kind of think about it from a different perspective and, and i i mean i myself learned from that a lot being able to look at a scenery uh, uh something that could happen but tell it from a perspective of a different uh, you know different different way not only what you see and that, that's really cool i really enjoy that thanks for sharing that yeah, even for so, for like, instance mm-hmm. when i went to uh, everest base camp i had a bunch of pictures which i created i posted them on instagram and this and that and during that time again the same thing came to my mind okay i went to everest base camp what do i say i brag about being in everest base camp or uh, what do i do with the storyline and i was thinking about it and as was as i was walking the everest base camp for those 10 days i have to look at the people around me like i said you know i look at a fly sitting on a leopard so here the, i have like 100 people in front of me so i observe each one of them what's going through their mind there's a small kid walking the everest base camp there's this 80 year old uh, male who's walking the everest to everest base camp there are a lot of youngsters walking to everest base camp i'm thinking of all their stories why they are here you know what they're trying to do what they're trying to achieve so i wrote a story about that you know how it's not about me making it to everest base camp it's about why any one of us take that journey whether it's base camp or whatever it could be whatever the phase of your life why do we take that journey you know i wrote a story about the why of why we travel and what it means to each one of those individuals so the stories can be taken in many many ways rather than say i went to everest base camp and made this image i can take it in my own direction my own emotions so yeah we have the subconscious of thoughts you know always we are thinking there's a second voice in our head each one of us have that voice just note note down those voices because every time you start giving some thought to that voice you're having a story line which you're building as you're uh, noting them down you know most of us unconsciously forget what our second mind was saying you know when you're pointing your camera at a whatever you could be pointing it your mind second mind is always doing the other narrative in your head if you just give it some thoughts and put a mental note to that you have a story right there that's the other side of the story than what you're looking at wow that is so much value right there so much um wisdom and i really love that and um you know just going to that storytelling and you know what you say about the second mind um we talk you talk about how there are the obvious and there are the thing that 
that come into the story, right? The the secondary and the tertiary and the, the things that not necessarily the, the main focus, not the, the main um, yeah. grand grandest, most obvious thing. Now, we know that, you know, in, in this world, in this era right now, there is so many different distraction, right? Our phone is keep buzzing and then there's somebody mm. calling and, you know, we got our our uh, iPod, our iPhone, and, you know, some people have even like multiple phones and all this stuff. So how do you kind of separate that? Separate the, you know, like kind of isolate yourself in, in, in this moment so that you could hear and listen and explore what's in front of you? Yeah, I mean, I do deep space photography and in deep space photography, we have a term called signal to noise, uh, which is how much of signal and how much of noise are you capturing? So I think that's the same thing here, you know, uh, cut, cut the noise, you know, there will be a lot of distractions, whether it's NFT side of the world, you see how many dramas run there every single day. I don't indulge in those dramas. I read them, I move on. Uh, there's AI conversation going on right now. What is AI, whether AI is art or AI is not art. I have my opinion. If I have a space, maybe I'll talk about it. And that's about it. Beyond that, I don't go, you know, going into every tweet and commenting on everyone and trying to prove that they are wrong. I am right. The moment you start doing into getting into that business, you're wasting your time. You know, your time is valuable and your energy is important. So yeah, uh, just trying to avoid all those nonsense. You know, even in Instagram, there is a reels nowadays. You know, people are doing all kinds of shit on that Instagram nowadays. You know, wonderful artists have lost their track. You know, they're doing whatever it takes to get that little followers and views and million, whatever. So I don't even give a damn. I do my reels, but in my own way, in a very classy way, in a very cinematic way. I said, I'll never get into that business of me walking with the camera and then this transition happens. I am like, I don't need all that. You know, that's the not the kind of artist that I am. So you have to just choose your poison, you know, and uh, choose your path. A lot of my friends say, you're missing out on Instagram by not doing reels. If you keep posting your wonderful cinematic videos, no one cares about them. If you put only your images, no one cares about it. I'm like, doesn't matter. I don't care. <laughs> you know, if it's 100 people liking my image or 1,000 people liking my image, it doesn't matter. Whoever connects, connects. Whoever doesn't, doesn't. I let, let it be, you know. That's one of the things I do in my life, you know, oh, just as being stoic. I, if you can't control something, just let it go. Don't break your head over it, you know. So I think that itself solves half of the issues. Uh, otherwise, yeah, there is a lot of things. Uh, there's Twitter, there is Instagram, there's a little bit of Facebook, there's Vero now, new software, uh, social media. And there is what WhatsApp and Telegram and how many things you're going to manage if you put, if you indulge in into all these things. Even I have my friends, you know, I'm sure, I hope he doesn't listen to this, but if he doesn't, it's fine. But we, me and him, we were both photographers. And uh, before, you know, before I came into NFTs and everything, we used to, during especially COVID days, we used to have a lot of, we are wonderful friends, but we disagree on many things. And we used to have a lot of arguments on uh, WhatsApp, very passionate. Not like we are punching each other on face. It's just opinions. And it would be about COVID or it would be about vaccine and whatever. And we would argue a lot to and fro, to and fro, to and fro. It would go on, on and on forever. And now I realized that why I was doing that, it's a waste of time. Now, whenever he sends me something like that, I just have a common response. You are right. Even though I don't believe in it, I just say you are right. And that's it. Then what, what else is left to say? He's right. Nothing to argue about. So I just let it be. You know, now I learned that uh, style of just letting it go. If you want to think you're right, 
you are right enjoy the madness and let's move on you know so yeah uh, time is very very valuable and i'm trying to now figure out uh, ways to not waste my time on noise uh, rather the, stick to the signal signal to noise is very very important that is incredible and yeah like you know um there is um there is a saying that you know um in order to win the war sometimes you have to lose a fight right and sometimes you just have exactly. to let go and and sometimes letting go is the best way to win so uh, that's very wise of you to to kind of share that and um i really no, I mean, love it's something we all have opinions you know and we are all passionate about our opinions but it doesn't mean you just go and bounce everywhere your opinions you know just give it when it it has to be given if you just go around 100000 times running around with your opinion then you are just being a joke you know so just keep it to yourself it's okay to not always have everyone agree to you you know it's okay we are humans and there's always agree to disagree which happens and most often the moment you stay away from this madness you have more time to do something else people ask how do you have so much of time to run spaces how do you have so much time to go out and shoot and to make all these photography trips that's exactly because of this reason you know i don't i use my time for space because i save that time by not arguing with someone else outside so yeah the moment you start saving time somewhere you can invest it in the right place yeah that's absolutely important right focusing on the right things in in life that that give you the energy and give you the positivity yeah. and um that's great and um i think one thing that i want to get into a little bit deeper is what you said earlier about the social media right how the social media kind of drive the attention and it drive how people are putting out content and art um and how people are consuming it now i know that the social media is you know with everything that happened is one of the biggest source that creates imposter syndrome one of the biggest source that create this lack right because mm. what people see on social media is is it's never it's almost never like what it's in real life it's the highlight Absolutely. of everyone's real right i mean yeah. even people when people share the the struggles like i do share a lot of my struggles on social media but even that like you don't know what i had to actually go through behind the curtain you know just to share that one thing right so what what do you what do you have to say for people who are kind of um hitting this wall of imposter syndrome and you know searching for followers and um looking for ways to to get more exposure because i think there are two different um view of this which is you know it's important to get that exposure and get your um you know social media kind of have the engagement and so forth because a lot of time that's when you get your sales or that's when you get your next opportunity you know there are a lot of opportunity associated with um the exposure you get on social media but at the same time there is also the negativity behind that where it actually bring down you know the way you feel even the mm. way you react to the world and behave as a person so how do you have anything to say about how to find the balance and how to treat social media from that sense yeah i think i would be the last person to talk about social media because i never followed i like i said i never followed any of those norms of social media in instagram there was a time when hashtags you know i have my own friends who used to use certain apps 
which would create hashtags for them every single day, depending on what's the most happening uh, hashtags. They would say, use this app, use this hashtag. I'm like, I'll not use a single hashtag. I don't care. No, that's my way. I don't care if they like me or if they don't follow me. I just don't care. And that's the reason my Instagram is still uh, below 20,000. You know, like it's taken eight years, nine years to reach that 20,000 because I'm not never pushing it. Well, my friends, maybe they have 100,000 followers. Who cares? You know, I don't give a damn. You know, that 19,000 is also, we know how Instagram works. You know, five, five or 6,000 of them would be fake profiles. Maybe I have, let's say 10,000 actual followers. That's enough for me. You know, that's my little crowd. I'm happy with that. And, you know, I, I really don't care much. I don't use any of those hashtags. Like I told, I don't do any of those trending reels. I do it my own way. And I never get into, you know, you had to post at this time of the day. You have to post at this time of the night to get the maximum reach. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I will post whenever I want. You know, I don't care. So that's been always me. And that continues to be me. Even in Twitter, there's a lot of algorithm things people talk about. Don't re retweet too much. I'm like, I'll read it 100 people at, uh, every day. I don't care. Uh, don't quote tweet too much. I'll quote, quote tweet everyone. I don't care. So yeah, I mean, I just don't care. That's been my way. Even in Twitter, I'm surprised. You know, it grew very fast. Uh, I came in January and today it's what, December, almost nine and 10 months of it. So I never expected all these things to happen in Twitter. I just came in thinking, okay, another social media and I'm just going to be me. You know, I'll, again, I'll never put any hashtags. I'll never do anything time-based or anything that helps the algorithm. I'll do everything it takes not to feed algorithm. I'll do whatever I want. That's all. You know, I don't care about algorithm and everything. We have uh, spaces on this topic where people discuss and I am the bad guy there because I say, do whatever the hell you want. Don't care about the algorithm. If the shadow ban you, they'll bring you back. Not a problem. So yeah, that's been my way. I'm the last person to talk about social media. I never let it really influence me too much. And yeah, I, you have to just create your own peace with social media. If you just chase, if you look at others getting 1 million views or 10 million views on TikTok, and if you want the exact same thing to happen to you, you're wasting your energy. You know, just do good work, keep posting them up, and enjoy the process. You know, rather than worrying about things you can't control. So yeah, I don't really. I'm not the person to talk about social media at all. Yeah, well, I think you have talked a lot about social media, and I think that's very important to you know have. Um, you know, I, I, I personally still believe that it's important to have the exposure, but I think it's important to have that mindset as well of sticking to your own thing and not diluting your value, right? I think that is, um, I see that a lot of people, like you say, a lot of good creators are no longer uh, an artist in social media because the reels is, you know, more and more people get attracted to clowns, the humor clowns. side of reels. Yeah. The word is exactly. clowns. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there you go and you know and yeah. and it's i i think it's it's okay to have that in social media but you know when when you're an artist and you do too much of that then are what what are you doing right you weren't that's not the reason you're here it's different no, I mean, if, you know for again, the just, people yeah just in their defense there are two kinds of creators one who just lowers and likes and reads and maybe that's their that's what you need do whatever it takes then there's other kind who doesn't give a damn, uh, just does whatever he likes. And I see Instagram or any place I go, whether it's Vero or Instagram or even Twitter, you know, I know that I create a portfolio everywhere I go. I don't like to post random things, my selfies, my whatever, you know, my cat, my car. I don't need all those things. I'm a photographer and I'm going to stick only to that, my voice and my language. 
you know, I'm a guy with a tattoo on my hand which says religion photography. So I need to take that thing seriously. So I treat it that way. I treat it like my religion. So wherever I go, I make sure it's my portfolio. And whatever people, if they visit Instagram, they'll see a clear portfolio of mine. What I do is exactly what I show. And beyond that, no, even now I'm talking, not talking to you with the camera on because that's me. I don't like to put my selfies. I don't like to do any of those self-indulgent things, you know, because I'm not that guy. For me, it doesn't matter. You like my work, that's my signature, and that's about it. You know, beyond that, I can't help it. You know, and same thing with Twitter, I keep a portfolio. Same thing with Vero, I keep a portfolio. So I like to keep it organized. So that another kind of photography, a photographer who's on social media. So if you're the first kind, if you want all the follows and likes and reach and algorithm and everything you care about, then of course you need to play the game which people are doing on social medias. But yeah, it's 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 your path. You take your path. My path is this. I don't care about all that. Yeah, that's incredible. And I, I think that's one of the most important thing for us to to stick to is, you know, whatever feels right to us and whatever was, um, you know, our own path. Now, you know, just kind of to take it back a little bit, you know, you talk about this photography, you talk about the storytelling and how you can impact people and all this stuff. Now, if I were to ask you a one-liner question, right? what is your mission in photography? Like what you're hoping to bring to the world through what you've captured in a form of photograph? Yeah, um, I do all kinds of photography, as you know, and wherever I do, there's always a, a story that I stick to, you know, whether it's wildlife, with wildlife, I'm trying to, from my own style, you know, I'm trying to create an awareness and make people appreciate these wonderful creatures. Every time I speak about them, I speak with a lot of passion. I always mention what's the problem uh, happening in this field of uh, wildlife, you know, when, when it comes to these animals. And I can kind of stress on how valuable they are, how little they are in this world and how we can maybe do a small little thing and create a difference, et cetera, et cetera. So there's that, you know, I'm always, I love wildlife. And from my childhood, I have been loving them and I bring all that passion to that field. And with my portraits, I always like to tell the story of people, uh, their you know, mostly it's about what I learn is what I try to preach, which is whenever I travel to these corners of the world and meet these people, staying in the most humble way and at the same time, most happiest people I ever come across. Because what I see in Dubai is miserable. You know, the people have so much of money. They're driving a Mercedes and whatever, you know, Lamborghini, and still they're not happy. You can't see it in their face. But when I go to these corners of the world and people have literally nothing and they're still the happiest people. So I try to communicate that, you know, if there's some learning, that's my learning from these places. So wherever I go, I find those hooks, you know, as to what makes me go there again and again. Because I'm not a person who's sticking off, uh, uh, you know, all the countries in the world. You know, that's not my mission. I've seen some photographers do that. It's cool if you want to visit every country in the world. That's incredible. But for me, it's always about going back to the same place. You know, uh, once I go to a place, it's not like I'm done. I've visited this place. It's over. I'm done with this place. I go again and again and again because I like to go into the depth of that place and understand the real more and more depth of the stories behind those people and how they live and what they do. So, yeah, these are the narratives that I play with. And uh, yeah, I think overall, when you think of a broader perspective after 50 years, what what is that I'm trying to create? It's just a beautiful narrative of how beautiful these places are. And those places may be very limited. Maybe I'll have 15 places explored in complete depth rather than have 120 countries explored in 50 years. I don't want that tag. I just want those 
few places explored very very well in every sense possible you know so yeah for instance i go to this himalayan village uh, that's a bunch of villages around you know so whenever i go i was trying to create uh, pictures of people and tell their stories then i started exploring more towards the buddhist side of it you know because they're all buddhist and there are monasteries so i was trying to understand from the monks side of life you know what they do how they stay how what is their prayer the rhythm this and that that i was trying to explore for some years now i want to go back and explore the wild side side of it you know because they have snow leopards in that area. so you need to go in certain times to find those snow leopards that adds another layer to that place every single time you know i try to keep on building on the same thing so i want to be that guy who explored maybe 15 places in absolute depth and created a nice long story through many many years of uh, visiting rather than be the guy who visited 120 countries yeah that's that's a really good thing um you know i i i was um in the same place um you know before when i first started photography i've been to i think 27 countries and after mm. no 28 and after i started photography for real i've only been to an extra one country because I noticed the same way it's more interesting to go into depth than exactly. go to all of these places just going to the popular place right it's just it's it's incredible when you see people just go to the main attraction take one shot a selfie and then they go home they like don't look at the other place you know they didn't yeah. even go around the corner and it's incredible and um yeah I can totally resonate with that now you know when um I want to talk a little bit about um Nepal and the Himalaya and I know how passionate you are about it but one thing that um I never um heard is that what what really um what really pull you about the the Nepal and the Himalaya region that makes you really love that uh, the area compared to any other world because you know there there are a lot of beautiful places around the world right there are a lot of interesting culture everywhere beautiful mountain tops as well as the landscape but why Nepal why what keep um pulling you into Nepal and the Himalaya region yeah that's a incredible question because I really don't know. Uh, I just don't know. Sometimes there are things which you can't explain. I think Himalaya is one of them. You have been to Annapurna base camp, so you know it. So you know my, you know again, that's my curious mind. I told you I look into cosmos a lot. I look into a lot number of things, and there are many sections of uh, things that I look into in much depth. And one of them is Himalayas. You know, if I look at my uh, book cabinet right now, I think almost fifty percent is photography books. other 50% is himalayan books you know people who have climbed these wonderful mountains i have i'm i've read almost every book possible you know it's fill uh, and i don't even have place to store those books anymore because that's how, how how much i get intrigued by these mountains because the first time i saw it in my life as i said my travel photography began with himalayas the first time i put my eyes on it i knew that okay this is going to be something very very interesting for my future because i knew right then and then that i'm going to be coming back to this place over and over and over again because i don't know what's about it you know even when you go to everest base camp or you go to annapurna base camp or any of these base camps which is hard trek you don't really you know if you think it's uh, like you see in movies uh, people running around with full energy no you are you are fucking tired you know you are dirty you are smell stink like shit uh, so it's your legs are paining and you know everything is weird about that place it makes you feel like what the fuck i'm doing here but at the same time i feel alive you know being in between all that madness 
I feel good about it. So that's what I like about uh, that particular place. It's a suffer fest, but at the same time, it makes you feel alive. I know you're laughing a lot. I don't know what uh, stinking part was funny, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, uh, that's what makes uh, Himalayas what it is. You know, uh, lack of oxygen makes me feel good. And also, you know, like uh, one of my idols, you know, when it comes to, I like people who live their life to the fullest without giving a damn and taking it like they know that life is so valuable. One of them is Reinhold Messner. If you know Reinhold Messner, he's the first person to climb all 14 peaks, Himalayan peaks, 8,000 meters without supplementary oxygen. So I read a lot about him. Maybe I have some 20 books from him right now uh, sitting in front of me as I speak. I read all of his books. I read, seen every documentary that he has made. You know, these are the people who really make me want to go back to Himalayas because their passion is very contagious. And when you read their books and exactly why they go back, is exactly why you go back. I want to see everything they, they have seen. So yeah, it's just a lot of things. You know, I said, it's very hard to explain. Uh, if you've never been to Himalayas, you'll never know. But once you go there, as I said, it is a suffer fest, but you'll enjoy the suffer, suffering of that place. You'll come back much smarter and wiser. There's a reason why yeah. you know, Indian monks and Nepali uh, Buddhist monks go to the mountains to do their meditation. They can do anywhere, but they still go to the extreme Himalayas. Because there's something about that place which cannot be explained. Yeah, no, the, um, it, it, I know. I can I can tell. Um, I can I can feel the same thing when I was in Annapurna. It's just something about the place that um, it, it felt magical. And um, the reason why I laugh a lot is that it always reminded me every time I go hiking. It always I always ask that question. I was like. Why, why, why am I here? Why do I put you know myself exactly. through all this struggle? But as soon as you came down, you have a shower and you just go, "What is next, right? What's the next mountain to go yeah. out to?" And and when you say that, it's just it, it cracked me up because it reminded me of that moment every time you go up and you look at this big wall in front of you and you can't even see the summit because they're so high and. You go like, what am I doing here at you know mm, 10 yeah. p.m. at night going into this mountain with all this crap behind me? Um, but yeah, there's there's something about you know the achievement behind that. There's something about the peacefulness behind it, and um, it's 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 you know one of the story that I tell from one of the piece that I just released. It's about the freedom you get when you get out there, and it feels like you know everything just doesn't matter <laughs> so uh, i can you know yeah really also mm -hmm. yeah another reason for that is because first of all you're in a complete remote place especially when you talk of base camps and everything you're cut off completely there's no internet there's nothing you know you just have you and maybe your guide who doesn't talk much so you're not talking to him a lot he just talks once in a while so you're it's just you and the mountain and maybe a beer or a chai in your hand and you're sitting there in the middle of nowhere so these are the moments which we are missing right now, you know, because we're in such a fast life, social media, this and that phone buzzing all the time. In that place, you just realize that your phone, you're holding the phone, but it feels like useless, you know, because there's no internet. You don't know what to do with that phone in your hand. And then you throw it away and just look at what's in front of you and just you look at lost in your thoughts. You know, you, you get a break that your brain requires and it starts processing things which have been lagging behind in the RAM. So yeah, it's uh, like a nice reboost to your brain and it helps you clear up a number of things. So yeah, when I always say, you know, it doesn't matter what the question is, you know, Himalayas are always the answer because it will give you answers for questions which you didn't even know you had. So yeah, that's what they do. And 
yeah like for instance when i was in annapurna base camp like i told like you also said it's a suffer fest it is the hardest trek i have done you know everest base camp was hard but it was okay but annapurna was absolute madness you know and i was not in my best form at that time because i just came back from a trip to us i went to new york and all that things and i came back and immediately i went to annapurna base camp without even trying to give me myself a break because i just wanted to go to himalayas uh maybe because i saw new york and i really wanted a break from that city so i went all the way to himalayas annapurna base camp it was bloody hard it was raining all the time it was not really comfortable you know i was wet from head to toe every single day of the walk in you know, a six days i was completely wet and it was really really hard same thing again i asked myself the same question what the fuck i'm doing here i could have been staying in dubai and relaxing in my warm home but i was there anyways so it happened i reached the base camp the first uh, once i reached the base camp for the first time when the rain stopped and everything was visible annapurna in front of you extremely gorgeous and then it was just a small break of 30 minutes and then it started raining again i'm like shit okay now i need to walk back you know you know it walking down is harder than walking up to the uh, base camp so i'm like i need to go down with all this rain again my mind was like please get out of this place you know if you want to i was like can i call a helicopter get to get out of this place because i don't want to walk again so he said no there's no helicopters right now in this weather i am like okay let's walk and i told my guide how long is the walk to reach pokhara which is the city we need to go to the city at the end of it it takes four four uh, nights of uh, walk you know like every four nights uh, you have to stay in the mountains and then finally you reach a point where you can go to the city i'm like no i'm not going to stay walk for four days in this rain let's do one thing how much is the kilometers he said almost 38 kilometers of walk to reach uh, to the point where you can take a car to reach the city i'm like okay let's walk from now it's 7 o'clock in the morning we will not stop for a single second no food no nothing we have water bottles we we'll just keep bringing water are you up for the challenge he's like no no one does that 38 kilometers in a rain downhill you can't do that i'm like let's do it and we walked non stop you know i have that phone, screenshot in my phone i burnt like thousands and thousands of calories you know maybe it was crazy i never burnt so much calories in my life so 38 kilometers we walked from 7 am to 4 pm non stop not a single break we just kept walking because i wanted to get out of that place you know there are those instances also in himalayas it's not like always romance so yeah but that's what makes it you know interesting so as soon as i came back i reached my hotel in pokhara i took my shower i felt good again and then i came to the reception of the hotel and the hotel had a number of uh, maps of nepal you know of all the base camps i uh, i just came back from a base camp where it was i had to walk 38 kilometers to escape and now i was looking at this posters on the wall and i'm like which is this base camp this manaslu i'm like okay this is my next one when do i come back so that's the madness yeah no yeah, i i heard that story before and uh, you know it, it's it's just crazy and um i know how how frustrating can, it can be when it's raining and all that stuff but doing 38 kilometers on the way down all the way to you know from annapurna base camp that's um 5000 5000 plus right and it's yeah. it's just crazy <laughs> <laughs> yeah no doubt you you burn all that calorie man you got all the rain you got going downhill all the gears of course you burn all that calorie <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh yeah that's a really cool story you know um and it's it's true right and um i think this goes back to what we say earlier um a lot of times people don't see this struggle um about 
about the 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 journey but i think what i noticed from from the way you approach life the way you approach your journey is that you have a way to still enjoy the journey even if you know there are challenges now you know i know that is um something that's very difficult to do nowadays especially looking at everyone else's successes all the time right mm. so for uh, the listeners who kind of in that situation where they're like okay i want i'm in a and i want to get to where i want to go next right which is my dream whatever that may be but there's every time i hit a, a journey a, a, a challenges i feel discouraged so you know how can people enjoy the journey to get to where they want to be one day i think i'm not an expert again of this because it's very very much it's up to each, each individual uh, to choose uh, their uh, happiness you know so my way you know is my way your way is your way it doesn't mean it has to be the same way for both of us my what i say may not resonate with someone else so it's up to each person each one has their own uh, you know priorities and life and family and loved ones and etc so yeah it's totally different you know i can't preach because you know for even for a single example is i'm not married so if i say something people will say yeah that's easy for you because you're not married i'm married i have two kids i can't do the same thing so it can be different to different people uh, but yeah you need to find your own peace uh, with how you can create that balance and feel good about uh, the life that you have you know for instance i was in tajikistan and it was one of those craziest of the craziest roads you know there the place is beautiful but the roads are horrible it's next to afghanistan you can you're always next to afghanistan there's just a small river which divides you and afghanistan it's it was at the peak of taliban when i went there so people are a bit scared to come but they still came so we are going through that journey and you know at one point the road is so bad so horrible that you just your bones feel like they are all broken you know and one of my friend who was there he's a corporate guy and he has a job in dubai in a luxurious place and all that he stays so he came on that trip and he is not used to these things much he likes adventures but not this kind of adventure it was a little bit too much for him because at the end of the night you stay in a small little house and it's not like a five star hotel so every day you're struggling through the journey i enjoy that but he had some problems and happens in between the journey we just stopped for a smoke and we both were smoking in a corner and he's like i don't know i think i shouldn't have come on this trip because it's too hard for me uh, i told first of all just look at your surroundings you know you're standing right here having a smoke look at look in front of you there's afghanistan and look at the right side there's himalayan mountains the pamir mountains and you are here you know what are your colleagues doing right now they are smoking in dubai of course in their office but what are they looking at the same blocks of city and the same stupid office they had to go back to for the next 9 days you are free you know you are in middle of nowhere how many people should have visited this place which you have visited right now maybe 5% of the world's population you are the lucky one you know enjoy that moment because you are lucky enough to be here you know so that's how i put things into perspective whatever happens i always see it as one of those you know we have a chance to travel if you have that chance alone you are already lucky enough uh, compared to 80% of the world because others would love to uh, do that but they don't have the means or freedom to do that so i think we are already lucky enough that we have this passion to travel the world and that's enough blessings just count those blessings and you'll feel good about it that is such a good advice and um you know i think going back to what you said earlier is about you know where do you put your focus on and 
just hearing what the story that you tell me, it seems like, you know, your, your friend at that time was in a really good place, but his focus was on the negative part of it and not, you know, yeah. the positive yeah. part of it. And that really changed a lot of perspective for a lot of people, just shifting that tiny bit of perspective. Right. So yeah, that's, that's a really good, um, you know, really good advice. Um, now, you know, one of the things that um, I'm interested in is, um, you know, you're, I, I came across you in the NFT world and you are, mm. you know, one of the, the voice in NFT world. A lot of people um, hear your wisdom and follow your wisdom. Now, what, what draw you into the NFT in the first place and what makes you stay in, in the space? Yeah, that's super important for me because NFT has, you know, been one of those things which has completely transformed my life, at least in terms of my passion. Because I came, you know, uh, as I said, I do workshops for a living and my workshops are travel workshops. I need to travel to a place to do whatever I do. And that's my revenue, you know, that's my income. And that's all, that's my sole income. That's the main thing. I don't do anything else. Even if I get commercial jobs in Dubai, I would just push it across, you know, to my friends. I would say, you do it. I don't want to do this a job, architectural or whatever, you know, event photography. I never like all those things because I've quit my job with a very, very particular theme, which is I want to travel and I want to take people along with me. And that's about it. So I do that full time. It was great till COVID came in. You know, when COVID came, we all know uh, world shut down and then travel stopped and my sole source of income came to an end. That was the biggest hit. You know, when you think of it, I stay in Dubai, such an expensive place and travel has stopped. Everything that you have earned is now disappearing like super fast pace, you know, like Dubai, it doesn't take much time for money to evaporate. So I was going through that really, really rough phase in my life where things were going really south. And I'm like, what the hell do I do now? You know, 2020 is gone. 2021 is still the same. There are so many rules to travel. No one wants to travel because there's so many paperwork and this and that. So it does not really working and I'm like that's it I'm done what do I do now go back to job uh, put the tie and suit and get back to work that was almost the situation though I didn't want to do that so that's when NFT came into my life you know it came a little bit late I wish I entered even more earlier uh, but one of my friends who's into NFT he kept telling me because he knows exactly what I go through every single day I mean every single weekend we go together to shoot uh, and that guy always says come to NFT come to NFT you are going through this tough time I think NFT is your answer. You know, you can earn some money and pay your rents and at least take some break from your, your hairs are turning white. What's going on with you? I'm like, no, NFT is this, NFT is that. It's a bubble. The typical bullshit that people say, I used to believe all those things. So at the end of it, he finally convinced me one fine day. He just said, please open a MetaMask and come to NFT. That's it. Today's the day. And we finally opened the MetaMask and he convinced me to come. I came in to Twitter. Nothing. I know nothing about Twitter. I know nothing about NFTs. I just entered with one follower being my friend who pulled me in. And then eventually I started interacting with people. And I realized that the whole community thing which people talk about is actually true. You know, the people are different in NFT. At least during those days in the bull market, people are very, very active and very, very friendly. And everyone is trying to pull each other up rather than push each other down. So I'm like, okay, this sounds interesting. This is better than Instagram and all that. And finally, I came up with the collection and first uh, Genesis collection, which was all my Himalayan portraits, some of my best works. I put it out at a very affordable price. And within the first minute of launching that collection, one of my uh, collectors just happened to collect it. Within the first minute of dropping it, he bought a picture at 0.5 Ethereum, 
during those days it was like almost two thousand uh, dollars. I was like two thousand dollars for my picture in the minute of dropping. I was like, I had tears in my eyes because this is something which I never experienced before. You know, someone was valuing my work at whatever money. Money is secondary in that place. Someone valued it. You know, within a second, within a minute of dropping. So I realized, you know, eventually as things moved on, I realized that this place is absolutely brilliant. You know, everything that I thought, uh, the illusions that I had was all wrong. And yeah, since then I gave myself 100% to it. And it's been wonderful, you know, and after that I've launched many, many collections, sold out many, many collections. And no doubts in that, that it's paying my rent, it's paying my all kinds of things, you know, all the bills that I have, it has helped me float through it. So it's been wonderful. Yeah, I think it's a blessing which came at the right time. Otherwise, by now, I would be back to work, maybe giving up all my dreams. Wow, that's a, what a journey, isn't it? And, um, you know, you come in there and, you know, you <laughs> coming from somebody who think it's all, you know, all the the objection that everyone kind of come in, uh, don't want to come in from, and then you finally convince come in and know you're here with, you know, one of the biggest voice in the NFT world, um, you know, um, sharing your wisdom and your stories in there. And I think that's just incredible. Now, for, you know, for, for, for the people who kind of like jump in here and think like, okay, you know, um, NFT is just a money making scheme and all this stuff. Is there, is there, what's the future of NFT for you? Like, is there anything that you're excited about the technology itself? Um, is there uh, a culture, a community, or is there, is it only solely about, you know, selling your art and being appreciated for, for your work in a different form? Yeah, I, it's multi-layered. I don't even know how to get to this point because future, who knows the future? You know, none of us know the future. So NFT is the same, uh, who knows? Uh, right now, it's not just about the money, but money is important. You know, as a full-time photographer, money is very, very important to stay alive and to follow the passion. So I appreciate you know, the NFT space for the money it provides uh, to everyone of us and uh, puts a value to our work. You know, other than if you look at before, uh, it was all about come and shoot our restaurant, we'll give you exposure, come and shoot our wedding, we'll give you exposure. What the hell? What do we do with exposure? No one takes that uh, for a bill. So yeah, that was the world we came from. And now here is a place where I have even collectors who always say, bump your price. You know, sometimes throughout my journey, they always said, increase your price. Your work deserves more money. And they made me push my value all the way up because they themselves forced. You know, it's one of those places where the people who are buying are not bargaining. They're rather saying, go up with your price, not go down. So yeah, that's a very unique place to be in. And as far as future goes, I don't know. You know, I am just, as I told you, I just go with the flow. Uh, whatever the flow is, I just go with the tide. Uh, so I'm sure, you know, there are a lot of wonderful visionaries in uh, NFTs, a lot of wonderful collectors who have a great vision to what they want to do. So I'll leave it to them. I just go with their guidance. So yeah, I'm learning every single day. I'm no guru there. I'm just a student every single day, absorbing the space, learning something new and spilling it out to those people who don't know. So it's all learning from each other, which is happening there. So who knows the future? I hope it's bright. And I think <laughs> like everyone says, uh, we have just you know tapped 1% of the potential of NFT and blockchain. There's a lot more to do. You know, I stay in Dubai. We see it here every single day. Dubai is adopting new and new ways to government. I mean, is including new and new ways to uh, adopt blockchain you know, right now. 
if you lose your passport and if you go to complain to the police it becomes an nft it becomes it goes into blockchain i don't know what the complaint becomes a part of blockchain or whatever so there's a lot of things happening real world uses at to come you know so i think there's a lot to do and we'll just be there when it happens yeah no that's incredible i know your work is incredible and you know um you're right um the two things that really that we are really struggling from the artists is you know exposure people think that exposure will give us something and at at some cases it, it does you know the right exposure can give us benefit but in most cases it doesn't bring any benefit yeah. back apart from people you know liking and following you and you know unfortunately we can't we can't you know put a foot in the table from follows and likes um and yeah. the other thing is the value of money how people are valuing it right um i think in in collection in in the nft world a lot of people value it more as um as an art as a, an emotion as a, something that they they connect with well as in the real world it's more like a commodity right it's more like um yeah. yeah you just buy a print you know like print is a print and of course there are people who really care about the art as well but most people are just like okay well you know your photo is great but ikea sell it for um 20 dollars exactly. like why yeah. why would i pay five hundred dollars yeah. for for your prints right and that's i think that is the biggest difference that you see in 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 the nfts that when somebody appreciate your art they appreciate your art not you know for what it is not not that it's jpeg not that it's uh you know how many pixel against how many pixel at 300 ps um dpi right but it's about the emotion the photograph that that connects from that so that, right, you know, well, like, yeah, yeah there's a huge scope uh, apart from that you know which is brilliant and they're appreciating our art which is brilliant at the same time look at where nfts have taken us you know like when i visited new york with my parents and my sister we went to times square my sister was like this is times square the biggest greatest billboard in the world some of the best things are exhibited here I'm like, oh, that's so nice. And then we came back. That was in 2018. And in 2020, we, and this year, uh, somewhere in this year, Sloika, uh, if you remember, they Sloika, the platform, NFT platform, they displayed works of their artist on Times Square, the same Times Square. <laughs> so my image was there as well. And I sent it to my parents, my sister, my relatives. That my, I told my sister, you remember, you said the best of the best in the world gets displayed on this billboard. Here is my work right now, you know. So that's NFT. I would never be on NFT. I mean, sorry, on the Times Square if not for NFT. NFT opens up that door, you know. It brings the world together. It has a great influence. Right now, it was exhibited in Miami. Before that, it was exhibited in Venice. Uh, right now, Sloika is having an exhibition in a beautiful place in Rome. So how many places, you know, we are going along within that one year span? Imagine this is just one year of work. Not even one year. Nine months of work. So where it will take us in five years from now? So we've been giving this time to Instagram. We have been giving this time, same amount of time and value to Facebook for all these years. Where has it taken us? Maybe it has taken us some places, but still, this has NFT has done all these things within nine months. It pays our bills. It gets us exhibited across the world. It connects us to the world of amazing collectors and artists coming together. So, and it's just the beginning. It's just the tip of the iceberg imagine what would happen in the future maybe who knows our pictures would be on Burj Khalifa 100% we're excited about yeah. that 
Well, uh, Sabot, it's been, you know, um, such a great conversation with you. And, you know, hopefully one day I can bring you back in here because there's so much to talk about. You know, you, you like I say, you just such a good people to to talk to. Now, um, one thing that I always ask my guests when they come into this podcast is that if there is one advice that they could even, you know, they could give their younger self or um, people out there, if there is one advice that you can only give out, what would that advice be? I think I'll keep it quite generic because that's the truth. Follow your passion. Everything's going to be okay. That's it. Whenever you think it's the end of it, yeah, whenever you think that's the end of your journey, something else shows up. You know, that's how life works. You know, if you're true to what you do, especially after COVID, I realized, you know, as I said, the COVID story is a long story. You know, I literally thought that's the end of my whole journey, you know, the photography, end of it. Let's go back to work because I'm done. But that's when something happens, you know. A uh, number of things have happened in COVID, unexpected jobs, some unexpected awards. I don't even participate in photography competitions. But during that time, there was no option. I had to uh, participate so that I can earn some money out of it and sustain myself till the COVID goes away. So... I won awards. I got unexpected jobs from really big, big corporate companies, which kept me afloat. And then came NFT and it completely changed the game. So whenever you feel that's it, that's the end of it. Just know that it's just a passing phase and it'll be okay. So yeah, follow your passion. Everything's going to be okay. All right. Well, thanks a lot for that, Subodh. And, um, you know, for people who kind of want to check out your work and, you know, your NFT and, you know, some of these incredible stories behind the moments that you've captured, what is the best way to find your work as well as to connect with you? I wish I could say, go to my website. That would be very cool. But uh, one of the Chinese companies stole my domain name. So I don't have my website right now. So that's over. So you can go to usual stuff, you know, Twitter, Subodh Shetty with the, and then there's Instagram, Subodh Shetty. I'm sure you can just link it up wherever you post it. So if you don't follow me, it's okay. No big deal. 100%. I will definitely <laughs> put all the links on the description. So, you know, for people who are intrigued and want to see more of your work, they can do that. Um, but look, it's been a really good conversation. really enjoy um, your passion behind um, not only the, the stories, but also... Uh, the i guess the passion behind your passion in photography it's, it's just <laughs> so much energy when you you know when we talk about all of this and i really enjoy that you know it's it's a a, a really fresh um breeze of air um you know to 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 get that so that's great and um you know thank you very much for being here i know you're you have a lot of things happening so that's um you know, um, I really appreciate, you know, you putting aside your time to be here. And no, I mean, you chose the best day possible today. The Twitter spaces are down. I don't know what Elon Musk is doing, but sometimes he goes crazy. So he's blocked all the Twitter spaces today. So I think it's a good day to take a break. So it's the perfect day to be here. All right. Well, fantastic. Well, well, we can just hopefully you get a lot of benefit from that. There's so much wisdom and there are a lot of good storytelling that 
man, I just could hear it for days in and day out. Now, <laughs> if you haven't already um, followed Suboth, please do check his work out. Like, um, you know, his work are incredible. A lot of his wildlife is absolutely stunning. Um, I actually, when I first saw Suboth's work, it was more about the wildlife. So I thought he was a wildlife photographer until I came across some of these other work. So do check him out. He have uh, a passion in photography and he showed that in many many ways and i really enjoy that so um thanks a lot for being here thanks a lot for listening and tuning in if you are still here and don't forget to hit the subscribe button if you want to hear our next artist um, but also leave a quick review let me know what you want to hear more of let me know what um some of the things that you enjoy from this podcast or if you have a certain artist that you want to hear in this podcast but with that being said well thank you very much for being here and i'll see you next week so both thank you very much um, for your time and your wisdom and um, yeah i'm sure we'll come across in an adventure someday somewhere along you know around the world but um, with that being said i guess we'll see you around in twitter spaces For sure, Stanley. Thanks so much. Take care.